This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I have no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who you when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks to your made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic crazy fans that leave no real a ton. Hollywood is built from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. History, the history of film. All of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. <laughs> film history, the history of film. So I have news for you guys. This is going to be, this is breaking news for the world, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, This just in, there is a movie that just came out that's not Spider-Man, if you can believe it. (laughs) I I can't. (laughs) Those movies don't exist. There is only the one true Spider. (laughs) I'm going to keep seeing that movie until it beats Endgame. I will personally finance that movie crossing. You guys are just driving (laughs) us into the abyss is what's happening. So another movie came out. Very good. Not Spider-Man. Not going to drive us into the abyss of never having an original film again. Today, we will be discussing Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Whoa! Yeah. Okay. I really wanted to see this. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not going to spoil the plot here today. Okay. But one of the reasons I, this all hit me all at once because um, I had no idea what this movie was. Mm-hmm. Shelby said, "Can we go see this? It's Guillermo del Toro. It's B Coop. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't even love know. B-Coop. I didn't even. I love B Coop. Love Guillermo." <laughs> I don't even. I didn't even know what it was about okay. at all. Not even at all. And I was like, I'm gonna go see this just cold. Mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic experience. Whoa! The movie is beyond fucking great. And Whoa. when I got home, I started just looking up because it takes place in 1939, and the sets are Guillermo del Toro sets set in 1939. Whoa. So there, it's just like art deco porn it's like history comes to life and i was just looking up the making of this thing just to see some behind the scenes like the sets it turns out this thing was a movie in 1947 starring tyrone power whoa yeah i don't know who that is exactly that's what i'm going to tell you all about today (laughs) (laughs) so we're not talking about the new one we're talking about the one from 19 we're gonna do a little bit of both a little bit of both yeah but no i'm not going to tell you a lot about how guillermo del toro got b coop to do a movie you know i mean i'm going to tell you a (laughs) little bit about it this is a modern episode yeah i mean i think we all kind of know now you know fresh off the press's history (laughs) i'm going to go into a little bit of it though okay yeah I'm excited, man. Oh this my is a God. great idea. Yeah, it is a beautiful. And the cast? Film. This is a hugely stacked cast. Dude, it was B Coop, Willem Dafoe, Kate Blanchett, 
I, William Defoe is just Richard, owning the box office right now. He's got Spider Man. He's got Nightmare I Alley. Know, you man. can't get rid of the Defoe. Richard Jenkins. Willem Defoe is the new Nicolas Cage. Yeah, uh, he's a much better actor Richard than Nicolas Jenkins. Cage. Hold yes. on now. How dare you? How dare, How dare you? you? We will we will have a showdown on our Nick Cage episode because oh, I am man. I am a student of the Cage. <laughs> I am a fan of the Cage. You cannot cage me. Uh, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, that was not Nick Cage. That was yeah. like Nixon. Speaking of Nick Cage, you know, he's got a new movie that was, that was out Kennedy. too. <laughs> Nick Cage has a new uh, one? Yeah, Nick Cage's new movie is, uh, I think it takes place this... in like Southeast Asia oh. and his arm is a... Blade, a samurai blade. No, wait. wait is this the one that's long. super meta, where he plays himself? That's coming out this spring. Oh, that's like one that's coming out. This is one that just came out. Like uh, I don't know, a couple uh, like weeks ago. I think. Interesting, dude. We're in the we're in, in the Nikajasans. Remember when oh, we had the Nikajasans? Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. Sons. The Nikajasans is on, baby. <laughs> he just really look. He took the right turn. He realized who he was. He realized what he does best, and he's doing it. You he, know, he is the only example Bulls. of someone who discovered they were a meme and used it yeah. properly. <laughs> yes, and knew how to weaponize. That. Yes. <laughs> Either of you guys see Pig? Did you ever Not see it? Not yet. I gotta see it though. I want to see it, and I know Dom. It's on Prime, I think, for free. If you got Prime. Okay, gotcha. I will but be watching it. It's fucking worth it, you guys. Go see Pig, and then tell me. You know, you have the same opinion as Nick Cage did before you saw it. Gotcha. Okay, okay. gotcha. But yeah, so I want to see Con Air. Oh, seems, you seems have fun. to see Con Seems Air. like a fun movie. You have to what? see Con Air. Oh, my God, dude. Steve Buscemi, this isn't a huge spoiler, but there's a line where he says he cut his wife's head off and wore it as a hat, what and that's fuck? why I went to prison. And it's fuck? Nick Cage doing the worst Southern accent you will ever yeah. hear. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, you were just in Alabama for a while. Watch it now-ish so you know it, what they actually sound like. And I watched this while I was a kid in Mississippi, and I was like, what? What the fuck is he doing? Like, is he trying to do like a? It was he Southern did. Accents aren't hard either. He was doing uh, Gone with the Wind. He was like, I'm a convict on this airplane, sir. You know, like it is. It's amazing, amazing. Highly recommend it. Just- so there is a there's a YouTube channel that I want to give a shout out to. Um, it's relevant to this talk. The channel is In Praise of Shadows, and it's a film review channel that does long form essay style reviews on specific films or actors or whatever. Cool. But uh, just two weeks ago, uh, the guy who puts on the channel came out with a three hour video called In Defense of Nicholas Cage. Oh yeah, you said that yeah, too. I gotta yeah. watch that still. I gotta watch it. Yeah, you you guys need to watch it, but anyone out there listening, you guys should also listen, throw it on too. Big shout out to this guy doing amazing research and deep diving, but I was kind of on the fence with Nick Cage. He, I knew he was a brilliant actor in certain circumstances, but you know, some of his roles are just you know a little but perplexing of why he may have chose them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after watching this and, and being made aware of other Nick Cage projects that just went like straight to video, I've discovered how much um, acting is an art form in his life. And, and he does oh, for it sure. for the opportunity to be, to do different things. And it's a, it's, 
it's just a very well done video and very entertaining and it significantly changed my opinion of Nick Cage to have you know an incredible amount more amount of respect interesting for him. I'll check so, it out yeah I mean look he's a Coppola yeah. at the end of the day the man is a he is a film legend you know he is he's a great yep. actor I always say he's either the best actor ever or the worst actor ever I just can't decide <laughs> but today we're not talking about Nick Cage today we're talking about Nightmare Alley uh, Drake I know you'll love this as well this was among the first new films to hold a Los Angeles premiere at the newly opened Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. Whoa! Yeah, which nice. opened to the public in September of 2021. I was how long it was going to take for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, they've been premiering a few of them there, and this nice. was one of them. Cool. I wish I could have been at that premiere. That would have been so cool. cool. I mean, you're seeing film history, and then you're going in to see... Yeah. Film history, it's it's all good. We still have to take a field trip there. Yeah, um, I've been, but uh, <laughs> we need to go as a group. We got to go. Yeah. But I felt this was important, you know, because even though it is a brand new film, it is one of the last films. I don't know if you guys have ever have heard about this recently, but this is one of the last films to ever be made that's not Marvel. Actually, <laughs> uh, we're living in a year that Steven Spielberg put out a flop. Guillermo del Toro. I'll tell you about it. Nightmare what Alley is a flop. West Side Story. Oh, Boom. that was that Boom. was Spielberg. Yep. That oh, was Spielberg. Oh, man, because I had no yeah. interest in seeing that. <laughs> you know, I, well, you're hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I heard it was, even though it didn't probably do well at the box office, I heard it was actually surprisingly well, like, good for a musical. Yeah, like, I wanted to see I it. wouldn't thought Spielberg could do, um, or should do, a musical, but... Interesting. Uh, I guess he, you know, pulled it off. He just did a lot of tracking and camera Well, well they're all murdered by Spider-Man. That's what's happening. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> fucking... It already crossed a billy, dude. I fucking murk No, Spider-Man was... One of the reasons... Go see Nightmare Alley, by the way, because they will be pulling it from theaters soon. I'm not shitting you. Spider-Man is buying movies out of theaters. What? They were trying That's to buy Nightmare Disney. Alley out. Whoa. Yeah. It just came out. I know. They were trying to pay them to pull it so they can put more Spider-Man shows. Wow. Holy yeah, shit. Man. That's, That's wild. So go see them. Movies. Dis Disney do be doing that, though. Disney Dis is getting to a point. I don't even want to say it here on air because they will kill me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm convinced now. Um, they are the beast. I, I mean, it is it is incredible. I mean, uh, Spider-Man is the first movie to do pre-COVID numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, living, we're living in a weird world for box office numbers right now. The, the metric for box office success has changed. Yeah. And it's also complicated by the fact that some stuff is coming out day and day on streaming and stuff. Like, like Matrix is not going to make its money back on paper. I'm going right. to say that right now. Right. No, um, for sure. But the, I don't, it's hard. No, to, but who knows how many streaming. Yeah, exactly. it's hard to quantify no. the value of brings to HBO Max. I don't even know how you put a dollar amount on that. Yeah, it's weird. Because you could have, like, a whole family watch under one streaming family. account. Family. So, like, do you count, you know, all five heads? No, I mean, you, you count the money down. you bring in from that subscription. But I don't know how you specify, oh, like, right. this subscription can be attributed to the matrix you know yeah, what i mean for sure um well they can they can track that in the tech yeah yeah they can see who's watching what like netflix knows how many views everything gets yeah. and who views it they just don't release yeah, it yeah exactly. but how many people subscribe for the matrix you know what i, I mean, mean like, I, it doesn't yeah. matter it's just how many people click on it to watch right. it and watch it all the way through right. they can even see watch time mm. they can see when you pause yeah. it when you turn it off they do all kinds they're of watching shit. you it's they're big cool. brother but yeah as you may have all heard by now the industry uh, the world the government they're putting an <laughs> indefinite moratorium on the production of all films made by any other studio than Marvel <laughs> so uh, this is in theaters for now it won't be for long this is uh, this is the film we're gonna you know be what I, you know what the pirate in me says Come and catch me if you can, you bastards. <laughs> you bastards. You can take away our movies, but you'll never take away our freedom, except for you can, because you're Disney. <laughs> but 
and that's a not a pirate, but that's all right too. <laughs> <laughs> but this is yeah, this movie is now uh, part of what's going to be called the old breed of films. <laughs> that's what we're calling it because like anything pre Marvel is like the old breed. We're we're in the Marvel era now. Is basically we had BC before CAG, you know, and now we have the old breed before Spider Man. Marvel you know. better watch out, yo. I'm, I'm Abracadabra gonna pull a rabbit out. Damn of the here a right. Bit. We we have AD is after Downey after Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. became Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, but th- this was even. Did you see the Hollywood Reporter? No. Oh, so check this I out. Don't read the Hollywood Reporter states this was an article. It's quite chilling. I, I had to read this guy's view. It says, uh, "Today, THR will act as a vessel to deliver the message from the five major film studios as a collective." Universal Pictures, Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Pictures, and Columbia Pictures will halt all production effective immediately and will redirect all financial efforts to producing only films that contain superheroes and are captured on sound stages comprised of only green screens. All practical effects are hereby banned and any use of them will be punishable by a firing squad in downtown Marvel Wood. It's weird. It was a crazy article that they released. It goes on to it goes on. It goes on. It says we will. It says we will also be doubling down our efforts to put John Cena in any and all films, and will reconstitute our backlots into factories that only churn out cheap, schlocky popcorn slingers that lend no further development to the art of filmmaking besides advancements in the technology of post-production. Sincerely, the United States of Marvel. So they wrote that. They they. They got the THR to write that article for them. The United that's, States of Marvel. I mean, that's impressive. The t- t- that's Hollywood impressive. Reporter is a very reputable news source. That's impressive. So Look, I, you know, I want to be cast as Wolverine, so I'm on board. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, Kevin Feige, if you're listening. I will. I will pledge allegiance. Um, we pledge allegiance. Listening, guys, we're gonna get shut down in like three yeah, minutes. This is we so already weird. have a season. My computer is starting to mess up over here. It's what, weird. What Marvel character could John Cena play? Oh, all of them. <laughs> At some point, it'll just be him playing all of them. They're just gonna cut him into. He's gonna be Captain America, Captain China, Captain Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Captain China for sure. Oh man, but I'm I'm gonna miss like non Marvel movies. You know, like I am. I don't really watch them all that much, so it's really disappointing for me because like no more movies. You know, but just Marvel. I'm just gonna have to well, go back and watch know, the old breed. You know, all the over old again. Breed. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you know we moved or I moved to uh, a, a new and promised land of film where it's. Cheap to make, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Amen. And, uh, you know, we'll still maybe, have John Wick. We'll have, we'll yeah, John we'll Wick. have John Wick to go. Yeah. To go. Both things well, can John exist. Wick, John There's Wick's plenty in, of room. But John Wick is joining the Avengers. Yeah, so. he will join the Avengers. And at one, at some point, they're going to illegalize watching all those movies, too. <laughs> Dude, Joe. I haven't seen it yet, but I think they even did like a John Wick callback in The Matrix. That's what yeah, I heard they, on the Yeah, they did, Sweet. because those two, are, those two franchises just reference each other now. That's the whole gimmick. It's like, it's the other movie you like. And it's like, I know. I'm here to see this one. <laughs> yeah, dude. They say- Did Neo get his dog murdered? Is that what happened? Oh. No, but that would have been cool. It would have been. Yeah. Dog murder. You can't show that in Marvel. <laughs> no, Matrix. Or maybe you can. Matrix is rated R, baby. Yeah, baby. I don't know if it earns it though. Yeah. Step it up. More blood. Yeah, yeah. They're getting they're getting a little soft around the edges over there. Like succession. 
Succession has no sex. Have you realized that? He's never had sex. I know, but why not? It's not really a show about sex. It's an HBO <laughs> show about billionaires, and they're all hot. That's true. Like, why yeah. are they not fucking? Yeah. That's they're crazy. A, they're a billionaire family. They should be having sex with each Absolutely. other. So lutely. Because they're weird nerd people. One, well, of them, one of them can't get it up, and the other is... <laughs> I want to see him not get it up, though. I want to see the not getting no it up in, part. Bill, no one in succession can get it up. I, I want to see them Which not get it up. Which is to see them fail. <laughs> they can't get it up for anyone but each other, is the thing. Like Dev said, we need to see them fucking. I'm down to see the incest, as long as there's sex in the show. You know. <laughs> succession <laughs> in <dude>. session. <laughs> But uh, it'll just be in, incestuous uh, <laughs> You can't spell incest without succession. Incestuous. <laughs> but yeah, they say next Christmas we'll be gathered around our green screen living rooms, eating frozen hydrogenated Marvel meals, watching season five of Hawkeye on our Stark <laughs> Industries television sets, tearing open the Thor wrapping paper and unboxing our Spider-Man Funko Pops that cost seventeen hundred Marvel bucks each. And if you put that through the old inflation calculator. <laughs> That comes oh out God. to 20,000 old breed American dollars, actually. And uh, so I felt it was very important to gather you all here today and talk about Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> Nightmare Alley, the last film of the old breed. The real question is yeah. how long until Guillermo del Toro directs a Marvel oh, movie? No, it can't happen. It can't <laughs> happen. I'll go, I'll move to Antarctica. This, this, this future sounds like the fucking jail in a clockwork orange. <laughs> I oh. hope it's a Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be living in the Marvel movies, so who knows? Um, I'm a big DC fan myself. I love DC. I Batman, Rob Pat, bro. Ooh, looks Our Pat good. looks amazing. Looks good. Yep. I like the I like the I like the colors. I think yeah. I like yeah, the lighting. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. The, it, it does look. That some, looks good. It looks like a beautifully shot. Some gaffers did a real good job, dude. Our Pat's the perfect Batman. I Shout don't know out, about that. He's I'm the only thing I'm worried sure, about. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this, but um, I think. Company three is the post-production coloring and effects company that did the Batman. Cool. Um, they've done a t any big, beautifully shot thing that you've seen come out in the last few years has been them. If you mm. go to company three, it's like the word company and the number three. Um, if you go to their website, they got their lineup of like all their shit, but gotcha. they're dope. They're super dope. Awesome. Shout out to them. But yeah, the cast in Nightmare Alley is crazy. <laughs> B Coop, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette. Willem Dafoe, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenberger, my boy Holt McCallany is up in there. Whoa, yeah, nice. Holt made it. I, I was like, oh, I almost stood up in the theater. I was like, Holt! <laughs> yeah, the cast is ridiculous. Um, and like I said, so this is not a remake of the 1947 movie. This is the 1947 movie starring Tyrone Power and old John Blondell, old ah. Cag Blondell. Uh, everyone, if you remember, that's James Cagney's like main co-star back in the 30s. Everything goes back to Cag. That's why he's our, our hero. What Marvel character All would Cag star as? <laughs> he, would, only... he, would, he would blow up the studio. He would pipe bomb the studio. There is only the one true Cag. <laughs> the one true Cag. And, uh, but the 1947 one with Joan Blondell was based on the book. Nightmare Alley that came out in 1946, uh, but it got basically just edited to to shreds mm -hmm. by Daryl Zanuck at the time, who like was it, he was really pushing. I'm going to get into it, but he basically destroyed the film and mm. tried to like kind of hide it. 
Um, it was like this whole thing I'm going to get into. Does he think libraries don't exist? <laughs> yeah, and it's out there now. It's on it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole old movie on YouTube, uh, and it looks great. It's, you know, But this new one is the adaptation. It's Guillermo del Toro's adaptation of the book as well, but this time it's not cut to pieces. Like, okay, it's just, so it's it a faithful adaptation of the book? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'd, AKA much better. Much better, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and it's got a really... I won't say anything about it. I, I won't. I'm not even. I, I will tell you what it's about. Just like the overall, mm-hmm. you know. But I can't get any further because it's. I don't want to spoil anything at yeah. all. It had me so like my mouth was like open during this movie. I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. So please go see it. I know you're all going to see Spider Man, but. If you got a you know a few extra, if shillings. I got time in between, yeah. in, in between uh, show times, because I'm going to see Spider Man in the morning and Spider Man at night. Jesus. If I have time in between seeing Spider Man twice, Drake, you're contributing <laughs> to us living in the Marvel Bucks universe. <laughs> I like the inflation doesn't even do. It's not good. I like Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I like Spider Man, but uh, we're we're all just gonna wake up one day and we're gonna be in a like gel pod and they're gonna pull a fucking piece of thing from the back of our heads like you know in the matrix and then we, we'll just wake up f- into the marvel universe and be like yeah you guys were here the whole time yeah. lovely but uh it's the the 1947 version uh one of the reasons it really stuck around is it got put in the like film noir category which it's a weird it's it's a it's an interesting film noir about a carnival people yes but it's like it was shot as a film noir and it had a lot of like the it it checked all the noir boxes basically with like you know I knew you were trouble so they just was this a studio that took this yeah under its wing yes yeah this was uh oh lord sounds like yeah fucking studio yeah yeah executives (laughs) yeah this was a big it was it was a big Daryl Zanuck thing um and I'll get into the history of how it all came about yeah man Daryl Zanuck good lord but but yeah you would never know it's a film noir but. Guillermo del Toro like took that and really ran with it. Like the new one is mm. is a huge film noir, mm. you know, very shout cool. out basically. And uh, the lighting is all like film noir. You got you have scenes and the the acting in this movie is a clinic. Like Bradley mm. Cooper deserves an Oscar for this. Really for real. Cool. For real. Uh, it, it seems like he'll probably be nominated. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, del Toro, Guillermo del Toro has a you know history of being nominated. Yeah. So like it seems like and I, honestly I don't know what the fuck's being nominated this year. Like I have no idea. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't name ten, I, I couldn't name you ten movies right Me now. Neither. Same um, here. But I uh, Guillermo del Toro is interesting to me because it's like he directs Shape of Water. And then he also directs Pacific Rim. And both right. those ideas exist in the same brain, and I think that's cool. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, no, he is a filmmaker through and through, especially, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, he, he does the final look on mm-hmm. all the makeup. Very cool. Because he started out yeah. as a makeup artist. Oh, So, like, he'll, cool. he will do personal touches yeah. to all the makeup. Very cool. He's got his own personal touches to the sets. and like, uh, That's so cool. I mean, but, like, uh, but he does make blockbusters, but he makes art house films, too. Yeah, it's for so, sure. It's so interesting to me. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, Guillermo del Toro has also... Uh, uh, we'll cover this in game history one day. He's got a, a foot in games as oh, well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he does. He dropped a fucking bombshell at the Game Awards that's like, I don't know if you were supposed to say that. Yeah. Uh, it was like basically like the history was this game he was helping Kojima on got canceled or whatever and he was ex- he was giving the presentation for like best art direction at the Game Awards mm. and he was like, 
these games look nice. Not as nice as Silent Hill would have looked, but yeah. what is what yeah. it is? It's like, oh, are you allowed to say that? I mean, he is. He is, and he's right. PT was like, and and wow. I can't believe we got... Uh, uh, Silent Hill taken away from us. I digress. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, Del Toro's well. all over the place. Is my point. He's yeah. he's a man of many of many things. Yeah, but he puts on his fucking film noir master class in in Nightmare Alley. You got like you know it's the classic like Kate Blanchett for one, just looks like non not human. Like she looks mm. like she was created for the camera mm-hmm. in this movie. Like. Her makeup is all on point and everything, but then she'll like they you know, they do the genius blocking thing. She'll be delivering Oscar worthy dialogue and she'll step into the light and the light is just on her eyes. Whoa. And it's like it is it's brilliant. Very brilliant. Cool. This movie has to be seen, and it's not, by the way. It is bombing. Really? Horribly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's bombing, man. Is House um, of Gucci doing good? Dude, no, but also I heard that one was nuts. I in heard, a bad way? Basically, they did, like, Mario and Luigi for the whole movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, because, uh, who, who is that? Uh, this fucking, um... It's Ridley Scott. Oh, Ridley Scott did that? Ridley wow. Scott did House of Gucci. He also okay. just did The Last Duel. Gotcha. Which also bombed. Bomb. And I, I'm pretty sure that was probably a good movie. No, I, I'm telling I, you. I, I, like, the, I, people are not was, seeing movies right now. It bombed because they tried to... Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did accents. You can't go in... You can't, like, mentally, like... People know them for not having oh, any for of those. Sure. They don't do accents yeah. a lot unless it's like a fucking Boston accent. And it was the first thing they've written and been in together since Goodwill. But also, mm. I joke, but I really mean it. Like, nothing but Marvel movies does numbers now. I honestly the think that it has a lot to do with COVID, though. Absolutely. The pandemic I think the general it. movie-going audience, the only people willing to risk life and limb are comic fans. That's true. Like, that's, I think that's really it. I think the average moviegoer is just like... they're all like, the most susceptible mm, to COVID, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the average moviegoer is just like, yeah, they'll come to Netflix a yeah, little bit. I'm going to wait to go back to the theater until it's something I really want to see on the big screen. Right, yeah. And um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do worry. I worry about more the, the future of theaters in general. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I wish, I wish movies were doing better. Dune did great, though. Dune good. did really good. Good, it, I'm it, glad did you guys that. see Dune? No, and it's I want to see that one too. A good I movie. Did. It's yeah. Dune. Dune was amazing. It's, they fucking killed it for for compared to even what the first one was. Yeah, and right. I was the first one was just limited by the technology. Dune they is didn't have the ability to be sex. Yeah, Dune is as art house as a blockbuster gets. Yeah. Um, I honestly think it, it it should have a shot at best picture again. I don't know what the fuck else is being nominated this year, but like Dune gives me hope. But yeah, but like this definitely like it is a blockbuster movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's is any of, art house movie going to make its money back? Yeah, like until yeah for sure until and that COVID's is gone forever. Like, Nightmare Alley had a blockbuster budget. They did. It was a sixty million dollar movie. Okay, you know? and so that far should be it's that made, hard to make back though. Know, it's made like four million. They made oh, five no. million in the box office. Oh million, my yeah. god! And this is yeah, and it's it's like I said. I mean, the cast alone should have brought everybody in. Yeah, for this thing. be coops. Yeah, but dude, he. I was. I'm, I got to get back to him doing the, mm-hmm. the. I wanted to talk about a uh, a wipe that he does in film noir movies. The iris mm-hmm. wipe. Where the circle closes in on someone's face, you yeah. know, he does all those like techniques like they used to do back in the old noir days. Very cool. And uh, watch the old one too, man. Uh, Tyrone Power and Cag Blondell are really good on the old <laughs> one. <laughs> John Blondell will get her on episode one day. Don't worry. And I also I like the idea of doing this movie too because it just came out. 
And it has, when I talk about it, you know all the people I'm talking about, yeah, you know? It's, yeah. And it, like, uh, this was, Nightmare Alley was actually, it was going to be a Leo film. This was going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Which, and he did, uh, he did Don't Look Up instead? Yeah, like, I think he did, he bailed on it too. Yeah, he did Don't Look Up. And uh, they cast B Coop, you mm-hmm. know? Then um, apparently Leo, he was going to do something else with Paul Thomas Anderson, and he wound up not doing it. Anyway, it was going to be a Leo film, but the what scheduling didn't work out. What does Paul Thomas Anderson have to do with this? Oh, because he he dropped out of Nightmare Alley to do a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and then he dropped out of that, and then he dropped out of that, and B Coop also did that one. Oh, yeah. funny. B okay. Coop did Nightmare Alley and the one. So Man. basically, anything that Leo doesn't want, B Coop will take it. You know. <laughs> hey, I mean that's that's not a bad gig to have. Um, <laughs> oh, it was Licorice Pizza, which is getting in a lot of trouble right now. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's about a 25-year-old girl dating a 15-year-old boy. Oh, she, my God. Stop. Cease this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cease yeah. this. <laughs> she shows him her boobs in the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cease this. I had the same <laughs> fucking problem with Call Me By Your Name. Stop this. Like, stop stop doing this. I'm uncomfortable. The original, this whole thing, it was based on the novel by William Lindsay Gresham. And uh, for the sake of time, I didn't do a lot on him here. He was a great author. Very sad. Uh, very sad author. His <laughs> wife left him for C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> hey, you know, that's the star hey, of it. That's yeah. the marvel of its day, baby. He's putting out hits, you know. <laughs> it's the marvel of its it's day, baby. It's the marvel of its day. Hey, that's a whole franchise. <laughs> what you got over there? <laughs> so I'll tell you a little bit about what this thing is about. I'll give you like an overall description of this movie. Uh, Stan Carlisle, the ambitious Stanton Stan Carlisle, in the original was played by Tyrone Power. In the original, this is B Coop's character. He works in a sideshow as a carny and assistant of the mentalist Zena Crumbean. Joan Blondell in the original, Tony Collette in the new one. She is married to the alcoholic Pete. Ian Keith in the original, David Straithorn. I never know how to say that guy's name. He's great, though, in the new one. Straithorn? I don't know. But uh, the couple had developed a secret code to pretend to read minds, and they were successful in show business, and then Pete started drinking, and he became this big drunk. Like I said, it's a really sad story, by the way, but uh, Stan stays with them. He, like, lives with them for a while, and he learns the code, and he has this whole scheme to leave the carnival, and he's fallen in love with the gorgeous Molly, who was played by Colleen Gray in the original, and is Rooney Mara in this one. And uh, Molly is like, she lives at the carnival with this, the, the, the strong man, Bruno. Mike Marzuki in the original, Ron Perlman in the new one. And Xena and the Geek, an alcoholic man that bites the head off a live chicken, are the greatest attractions of the sideshow. That was a big jumble of words. I hope that made sense he at all. He bites heads off of chickens? Yes. So... Glad you asked, Drake. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about a horrifying side of the old-timey entertainment industry here. I thought this would be a really good episode to get into vaudeville a little bit. because this Are carnies and vaudevillians similar? Carnies are the minor leagues of vaudeville. Okay. At this time, mm. in the in the from the 1800s, the late 1800s to the it was like 1880 to 1930 when vaudeville had its run basically, mm-hmm. 
And during that time, you know, not everybody's making it to vaudeville. You I've, getting being in vaudeville is not easy per mm-hmm. se. You actually have to have talent that people pay to see. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people started out in the in the minor leagues, basically doing carnies and circuses. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, a lot of people started out with the circus, birthday parties, mm-hmm. birthday party, yeah, circus yeah. people, <laughs> birthday parties and weddings, <laughs> yeah. And uh, circus people like old C. McQueen. Exactly. Circus people like C. McQueen. So you, did, I think we might have talked about this on another episode, but you guys know uh, a giant carny hub is right here just outside of town. I believe that. And that place, makes that tracks. A place, little, little town uh, called Ruskin and Gibsonton. They're like right next to each other. They That's where all uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey uh, workers and... Uh, animal wranglers and all they all settled and have their houses all there and they all live there in this big community from all these different wow. companies not just them um, and then they had like seasons so then they would tour for like a season and do like the holidays or wherever would bring summer in the north or wherever but when they would come back they would all come back to the same spot so you can go there now and you see like not only the remnants of 1930s, 40s, and 50s, like train cars and sets and shit like that, but also like the descendants of cars. Why Whoa. are we <laughs> not doing a reality show just running cameras on those on that neighborhood? <laughs> like we have to. It's do pretty that. well. I mean, it's a lot of meth. Exactly. I mean, it's perfect for meth. reality show. I need more meth on my reality <laughs> show. More. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to be yelling at him. More meth. More meth. More meth. Less teeth. <laughs> like I'm trying. Less teeth. More meth. And, uh, meth. Meth out clowns is never what you want on anything. I mean, Dev, you remember. When uh, you remember when we had the clown problem in Florida? Oh, I remember when y'all yes, had that too. The, that was so. We all knew about that shit. Crazy. It was terrifying. <laughs> just clowns in the woods. It was terrifying. Yeah, man. Uh, what was going on? And those are people know. that were just freaking people out. They were just like this. Random people were like, you know, it'd be funny. It's going viral. I got a clown outfit. I'm just gonna go walk around in the clown outfit, do creepy shit. I was terrified. Yeah. I thought like some sort of uh, <laughs> apocalypse. Uh, apocalypse was upon us. It, it, it had part become, three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it in Florida. It's just like Pennywise on meth. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's just called Gasper. <laughs> Good times. Good, Good times. times. Anyway, what were we talking about? But yeah, so vaudeville. Don't get me wrong. Vaudeville was also a big freak show in a mm. lot of ways. I mean, that was the whole thing. Vaudeville was always pushing the envelope of basically what they could do on stage and still be within the legal boundaries to do this show. But that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here. I want to talk about like rules and limits. And uh, what is it's referenced to Nightmare Alley, but it was also a big deal. Illegal performances in vaudeville Whoa, and carnivals. Cool. Yes, that is vaudeville was for performers who had worked their way up through small time stuff and had landed a gig in a relatively safe performing mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. but uh there were some places where you weren't so safe watch the man know. cut his dick off <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> like i mentioned in the cagney episode and we talked about stewie mcqueen like you said being in the circus but like being in these things weren't necessarily fun uh <laughs> places to be you know like you were being on the road with a big vaudeville show you were making some pretty good money but you're also on the road you know sleeping uncomfortable beds in a caravan with like elephants and monkeys and tigers and shit and if you were a woman, that's a whole different story. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, being a woman on a vaudeville road show. But uh, take that and take away 
all of the legal ramifications and you've got a nightmare. You've got oh, like these smaller traveling fairs, the yeah, fun fairs. What little laws there were back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so illegal performances. So this goes all the way back. I'm getting probably as deep into history as film history has ever gone. 1684. Whoa! There were no cameras. There were no cameras back then. <laughs> 17th century Boston miniker, minister Increase Mather was his name. Increase Mather. He is a minister in Boston. Let me run that all by you again. He put he publishes An Arrow Against Profane and Promiscuous Dancing, an early publication on the evils of dancing. And the text reflects the common Puritan belief that dancing was sinful and promiscuous activity and has got to go. So this was in Boston in 1684. No more dancing. This is getting, you know, it, it'll tempt you to commit adultery was basically what he had. And But this began this, uh, we're going to start uh, putting legislation behind performing. I want to I want to bring that man to the modern era <laughs> oh for an God. hour and hand him TikTok yeah. and I want to see him have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. He would probably just like go nuts and go like start run naked through the streets. Just let him scroll through TikTok for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dancing became a thing. It wasn't just in Footloose. Like 1845, uh, private Texan Baptist school Baylor University opens his doors with a stringent ban on dancing on campus. You couldn't dance if you were going to uh, uh, Baylor University. Like strict, like many strict Baptists at the time, the university's religious leader considered dancing to be a sin, and it was 151 years for the school to lift the ban on dancing in 1996. And when they lifted the ban, <laughs> Robert Sloan Jr., the president of the university, when they lifted the ban, warned students not to do anything obscene or provocative in 1996. He was basically like, look, I'm 1996? Let you dance. 1996. I'm going to let you dance, but don't get carried away, okay? <laughs> and they did. And they did. They definitely did. Them Texas, Texas people. <laughs> Man, the, so, the past is a bad time. It's a bad time. So <laughs> then we get into uh, the 1900s here. 1917, Minneapolis's Public Safety Commission shuts down all of city's cabarets and 43 of its saloons. According to local paper The Day, at the time, a cabaret is defined as any entertainment establishment that holds performances such as dances and musical events before an audience that is seated at tables. So basically like <laughs> supper clubs. They're banning <laughs> supper clubs. Dancing on the part of the audience is prohibited, and it is illegal to sell alcohol to women. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And uh, specifically, yeah, they would if a man bought a woman a drink, he could get fined in 1917 in Minneapolis. That was they were they were really setting some some rules here. And then we get into the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, I was going to say, they're really not going to like the Twenties. They're not going to love the Twenties. During the Jazz Age, numerous states passed blue laws. And this is where we're really getting into what I'm talking about here today. The blue laws were regulations that restrict certain activities on Sundays, including the sale of alcohol, some of which are still in effect today, actually. Yeah, I'm sure you've been through those. Georgia, Alabama, yep. Mississippi. Yeah. Yep, Sunday, no alcohol. Oh, right. It's a weird Southern thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Atlanta also passed no dancing on Sundays. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Atlanta passed uh, dancing in any public place on the Lord's Day, commonly known as Sunday, is hereby prohibited. <laughs> <laughs> 
these laws will. He, we're so. We actually, are. Yeah, we're, humans are their own worst enemy. Like we, <laughs> yeah. we, we worry You're about so the the dumbest shit. It's the dumbest shit. And finally, 1926 Prohibition era New York introduces a law in 1926 requiring any public venue that sells food or drink to obtain a cabaret license in order for customers to dance there. You had to have a license to dance <laughs> in New York in 1926. <laughs> wow. The pretext behind the regulation is the need to tamp down on speakeasies, but the license is notoriously difficult and expensive to obtain. The legislation ends up throttling New York's already alcohol-barren nightlife scene and is used to disproportionately target venues servicing communities of color, of course. Wow. Uh, the rule, also known as the cabaret, law or no dancing law is still technically in effect today and has been enforced every now and then when they need it basically like what yeah if your club is for like the rolling stones probably and like yeah whoever's controversial at the yeah. time coming through yeah. touring elvis probably and know. they were pulling this law out in the 70s too when all the porn shops started opening they were like no no this law you didn't know about it but in 1926 we basically said you couldn't do this <laughs> so now you can't do Dude. this Bro, I think people in the 20s, like if they had us, if you gave somebody a phone and it worked, like if you went back in time and just gave them a phone and be like, here you go. And it got all the access and could do everything it does today. They would just overdose on their own dope. Because <sighs> there was like, think about this. There was not, there was so little going on. That dancing must have been so lit and got your kicks <laughs> off so potency. They had to ban it. They were like, you know what's dangerous to society? Alcohol, drugs, and yes, dancing. That That's is what's it. ruining yeah, America. <laughs> they didn't, I mean, think about it. They barely had radios. It was just books and like hanging out with friends. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, shit it, like that. The past was a bad time. It was a bad time. I never want to go there. No, going out on a Friday night and dancing and probably getting some drinks in you, some legal <laughs> cocaine. That was the other part. It's like, no, no. But the drugs are legal. Drugs dancing, legal. dancing, oh. not good. Oh. As long as you're doing drugs and just sitting around, we're fine with it. <laughs> Sing quietly. Yeah. <laughs> Like 1910 to 1920, like that 10, 20 years right there was probably when was Molly dumb. invented? Before it all went to shit. MDMA, I think that was yeah, 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s. Yeah, that's, that's, that when they were, right. that's when they were that's when they repealed the dancing laws. They're yeah. like, look, we can't, like, we can't uh, not. We, no. Yeah, there's you can take me to jail, and I'm gonna dance in jail <laughs> while I'm coming off of my MDMA. Yeah, but like, <laughs> in, indigenous groups all around the world been like eating sassafras and drinking ayahuasca and eating shrooms for like thousands yeah. of years so like they've been partying but this no matter but, what it's just uh, as fucking european puritanical protestant absolutely and it's down. so crazy how long this went on i just wanted to take you all the way back in time and to boston in the 1600s because this would be i mean you talk about lenny fun fact oh. that guy who you mentioned increase uh, matters uh. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but he was uh, responsible for overseeing the Salem Witch. Oh my God, that's where I recognized his name. That's, oh wow, yeah. that makes sense. He was like the minister who like governed that wow. area when it all went down, okay. and like that was like under his. He was kind of, gunning like, for worst person in history. He was going. Yeah, he was, absolutely. He wanted the crown. His name was Increase. Increase. <laughs> These people were insane. Like those people um, were. I mean, the the judges. You know what? He changed his own name. So I, I was looking him up while we were talking. He changed his stuff, name to he Increase. His own, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because increase in Hebrew is translated to like uh, Josiah or Yahshua. It mean he translated it from Protestant to Hebrew to Hebrew to 
old uh, like Judaism meaning. At this Joseph. point, he's getting like so tattoos. it all is a biblical thing. But I'm like, why the fuck are you calling yourself? Incre- First of all, you're an idiot. Increase. I mean, just call yourself Joseph. <laughs> like, <laughs> good lord. I'm glad you brought that up. I did not know that that was the same guy. Yeah, that makes total sense then. And. He that that really set off the spark. I mean, we were dealing in the 1950s. Lenny Bruce was getting arrested on stage for telling jokes. You know what? Yeah. Wait, what joke would you get arrested for? Uh, any oh, yeah. uh, anything that they would deem too inappropriate. You know these. Risque, yeah, right? to, it was profanity, risque, yeah. laws, public decency. Yeah, what? for sure. Yeah, if you got on stage and told a joke that was too raunchy, they would arrest you in what the, the 1950s. Like Man. this is just just yesterday. This is, this is pre. This is post CAG. You know <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, um, we talk about the code all the time. The code in film, you know, where that all of a sudden you had to um, stop showing certain things yeah, in your movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Censorship became a real big issue. Does 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 free speech not exist? Is this like I, what it, was this? A, was this not a huge free speech like court case? Yeah. Like, would you not be able to take this to the Supreme Court? That's basically where I it's got gotten to today for saying something on stage. Yeah, that's basically where we've gotten to today. Is this free speech? We can say what we want, mm-hmm. you know. But back in the fifties, they would arrest you for it and this is but we're i I guess uh, it's all coming back to nightmare alley because nightmare alley really dealt with this a lot okay people performing illegal performances like you see you would see some of these things there were so the 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 the, the, what we would think of an illegal performance probably wasn't even like that crazy you know what i mean like 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 i'm thinking people are like cutting off limbs and stuff for the entertainment of others you're saying they're they're dancing and telling bad jokes now they did have some stuff like that okay somebody (laughs) might cut off a limb it all depended on what you could get. Uh, you would pitch it to the carny, the head of the carny, mm-hmm. and if if you if you impressed him <laughs> enough, carny <laughs> <laughs> would do anything. You got to cut off. You have not seen these Floridian carnies no, for sure. You're like <laughs> they're like. You need a tongue? I'll cut it off. I'll cut you a tongue right now. I'll give you a knife. I'll just cut it it's off. It's like, no, here's the thing, though. I'm going to pitch you this, but you have to say, yes, I can't do this again. It's like, I only have 10 fingers that so I can cut off, you know? And this would be stuff like that. It was uh, it was diabolical stuff against human nature, or especially, like, I. they at least had animal abuse. You couldn't abuse animals, mm-hmm. which that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. If you want to cut off your own finger, I don't give yeah. a damn. But. This is like the inspiration for Saw. That's yeah. where the movie Saw Totally illegal cool. performances. But, but you're saying like a lot of the legal, illegal performances were just dancing. Uh, naked women. Oh, okay. You couldn't have... No one could be naked. Everybody had to have their clothes on. As a matter of fact... Women not only had to be clothed, but like real clothed. Like women had to be covered up. You couldn't. You get like fined for showing shit like above, yeah, above yeah. a certain length, like above the knee yeah. for sure. But like some cases, like before the twenties, it was like you show an ankle. You're fucking right. Alive. Yeah, and they had one in uh, Nightmare Alley that was really cool. It was people electrocuting themselves. Whoa, that was a big draw back then. People okay. would like. Get electric. Taking a trip to old Sparky. Yeah, take a trip. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was stuff like that, you know, and it was, but they also picked and choose because vaudeville, vaudeville had cabaret stuff happening Mm -hmm. a lot of times where women were either naked or Mm -hmm. nearly naked, but it was fine because they were making a lot of money. 
I you see. know, but like a little carnival, if you're mm-hmm. electrocuting this guy over here and this guy's cutting his finger off and then this woman's naked, I got to fine you for the whole thing, you know, mm. <laughs> or they'll shut you down. They shut the whole thing down and like confiscate all your shit. How would, that. how would they know? There's back alley carnival and it's, the, the word gets of, out, you mm. know, probably. So, and some kid goes to a carnival and sees a boob and, mm. uh, and a guy biting the head off a chicken and mm-hmm. he goes home and tells his mom and his mom's mm-hmm. pissed and goes and tells the police. Mm. and then the police go and shut you down mm. you know um but there was a lot i mean behind the curtains you know these things there was a lot of shit going on there was uh animal abuse drinking drugs of course the drinking was like part of it like mm. they i don't imagine many people do that job sober no 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 like the head <laughs> of the carnival would have like a liquor store by mm. his tent that you would come yeah. and get your daily liquor from you know mm. like, it takes, takes a lot of shots to want to bite a head off a chicken <laughs> we're gonna get into that <laughs> oh okay. um, yeah <laughs> behind the scenes they had a lot of murder rape murder Whoa. was going on all of the time really uh, oh yeah this was living on the fringes of society <laughs> in from the 1880s to 1930 like you could get away with a lot of shit in a carnival if you were on the run from the law you could fall in with a traveling carnival and never be found wow you could disappear running running away to the circus it was a very real thing the past was a weird time the past was a weird time and it's not even that long ago this is not even a hundred years ago that we're talking about yeah amc's been around for longer yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the whole story of nightmare alley is that it's a man who like he's on the run b coop he's on the Mm. run and he, he gets he gets caught up in this traveling circus, mm. and um, yeah, it was this. It was this crazy carnival you could go to, and you would ask some guy with no teeth, and he had a full <laughs> bottle of liquor, like if there's any work for you, you know. And within minutes, you'd be gainfully employed as a carny, <laughs> and you'd start off by like the worst shit. You'd start cleaning the elephant shit. It was it was like we talked about with Steve McQueen with the Merchant Marine. It's yeah. like it looks fun. And they'll try to talk you into it, but yeah. then you get in there, and it's this is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is um, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't pay great. Yeah, is there a union here? No, no <laughs> union. <laughs> yeah, no. There's the car. Oh, can you imagine the Carney Union? The Carney Union. What is that? What is that? What are you even advocating for? <laughs> I'm tired of cutting off all my fingers. I've only got two left. <laughs> but yeah, you'd start off cleaning. You'd take out. You would like help take down tents and stuff, which could be like possibly deadly. Yeah, um, yeah. Anything giant that, beams falling on you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anything the performers didn't want to do is what you were basically there for. Mm. Uh, but this was a place where if you had talent. While you're doing the shit stuff, you could mm-hmm. also be working on whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know. And and sometimes, if you're good enough at something, they'll give you a stage in this carnival, mm-hmm. and you can start developing an act, you mm-hmm. know, and possibly make it big enough and draw a big enough crowd to where you could go to vaudeville or Broadway, mm-hmm. you know. It depended, but right. usually you would just wind up dead and thrown off a train, <laughs> you know, and full of like booze and, <laughs> and and lithium or whatever. But oh my god. <laughs> Or in some fucking field and <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of this like free, fertile ground for runaways and two bit hustlers. Stanton in the show is introduced, and we—I was as well. Not everyone. A lot of people already knew this, and Dev, I'm sure you know all about this. But the uh, the geek in carnivals. Have you ever heard of a carnival geek? No. Basically, why we call people geeks. It was way. It was way worse of a term back in the day. Um, and like I said, Dev, I'm sure Dev knows about the geek, but this was uh, usually the human atrocities part of the show. Was the geek uh, the build performers? Atrocities, act- you say? Yes, atrocities. <laughs> the the geek 
his act consisted of it was just usually a single geek, one single guy. He would he stood center ring, and they would let out chickens, and he would chase them around. And the show always ended with him biting the head off of a live chicken, like <laughs> Jesus, gnawing through its neck with his teeth. Oh my God! This was something that people paid good money to see. This is horrifying. It's we're. I mean, this is where fucking Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah. for sure. He did a From geek show. Like, he uh, it's easier that. to bite a head off bad than did, his well, chicken. He, that's a that's a, yeah. a, a meaty a meaty gnaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Both of them are fucking. So, I mean, they're both <laughs> d- d- horrifying. But I mean, the head of a chicken is a lot larger. There's a beak there. It's it's it's, it's uh, that I imagine the, the 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 bird probably got some good pecs in before it went out. I hope like, so. Yeah, probably like eat the side of his. Take off just, your fucking eyeball. Yeah, yeah. Or, like his a uh, fucking cheek off. Like yeah. just poke the hole right through the cheek there i hope so and it was i'm telling you the chicken biting show was very common oh like, my god it, the geek was if you went to a uh cheaper traveling fun fair that was if they were doing illegal stuff more than likely they had a geek somewhere so <sighs> they would use it as an opener for other freak shows basically like we're gonna bite this head off a chicken and let you know exactly what you're in for today like Jesus. that kind of, it's that kind of fucking freak show and uh, it was a matter of, it became like a matter of pride among circus and carnival professionals not to have a geek. That was mm. like a whole thing, like, we don't have a geek. We're not that kind of show. Mm. But that kind of show is down the street. Yeah. You know? How did that term develop into someone who's just kind of into comics too know. much? <laughs> I don't know how geek went from that to this, but maybe it had something to do with the creation of a geek. There was a whole process to create a geek. What do you mean? So they explain it in Nightmare Alley, but I'm going to explain it to you here too, because this is, I looked it up and this was all true. Um, some horrifying articles, by the way. Never, never look this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's say you're running a traveling fun fair. You got your donkey woman. You got Excellent. your flexible bendy man. You have to have him. You know, your electrocution man. He loves it. Uh, ten fingers. Bearded lady. <laughs> Bearded lady. Gave her growth hormones. Ten fingers still has two fingers left on his contract. Good for him. You know, he's good to go. Um, but you need a geek. You know, really top-notch stuff for these local hicks <laughs> who are spending nickels on this shit. You I needed... always said there are too many chickens. <laughs> always too many chickens. <laughs> You really wanted to get down and dirty, you know. You needed to find a man like basically got nothing to lose, nothing to lose. Just, hey. just the way you, I, I want to pull him off the ledge of a of a bridge. That is exactly what you would do. <laughs> you would go and find a man who was sleeping on a sidewalk, as drunk as possible, and you would basically tell him, "Look, I got a gig for you." It's temporary. It'll be a bigger gig later. But right now, I just I've got this fair running locally, and I really need someone for it. I'll pay you, and also I will give you booze and as much heroin as you want. Love heroin. Yeah. And these guys were, you know, these were a lot of like World War One vets mm. who were like just fully addicted to morphine, mm. drinking all day. You had to find like. Like a, a a real real guy, a real low down guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? just people exploiting people at the worst moment in their life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like I said, you tell they them they died temporary. inside a long time ago. <laughs> and then what they would do is they would offer them a bottle of booze. Um, you love and, a good deal. And they would put opium in that bottle, basically knock his ass out, and they would fall asleep. And you'd get a few of your you know carnies to come over and pick him up. And they would put them in a cage in the carnival. They would lock the cage, and basically this became like 
a caged animal that they would just keep drunk and drugged long enough to like, you know, not say shit, accept it, accept that he's in this cage, and you would bring him out to bite the heads off of chickens. It was like very, very dark times. For... Listeners, my mouth is a gape. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm awestruck. This yes. is like I mean, this is like, you know, a half a step away Pinocchio. from the Coliseum oh. in yeah. Rome. And like, are you not right. entertained? Except we were doing it with yeah, humans and chickens. And yeah, I mean, if you got to fight that. a lion or a chicken, I guess a chicken's a better deal. But uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's a better situation. I'd rather be up against chicken. But um, yeah, no, it's very Pinocchio vibes. Just being like kidnapped and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was this Nightmare Alley really brought to light what this was all about uh and and it also you know the the whole thing that they would sell the show with is there is this man or is this beast you know he's gonna come out and bite the head off of this chicken and that sort of set the tone for what nightmare alley was all about is it man or is it beast and it was just i'm not even gonna give you what it was about but it was just so well done uh it really studied human behavior what a what a fascinating um chapter of human history to talk about because you know like i didn't, I didn't know any of this shit i know me and if you didn't tell me this is real history i would have thought they made this up yeah, like that's sure. insane that yeah. there used to be like again uh they're not that long ago nope. Nope. <laughs> not long ago at all not long ago we had geeks who were just like kidnapped men being drugged and drunk and drinking themselves to death, biting the heads off of chickens. That's insane. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, what's so ironic about you saying how crazy, cause it is crazy. But what I just realized was like, it's been that way or worse for thousands. Right. Of years. Yeah. It's yeah. only in like the past 80 Very years. Very true. It was existence, that way longer than it was. Like, yeah. Existence hasn't been great for, for a while. It's been the norm. It's been the norm for human nature. So it's so crazy. You know, once we got enough food and stopped killing each other all the time. But what's so had invented a TV (laughs) (laughs) gave something to do. And that's just so crazy that people were being entertained and they would know, but oftentimes they wouldn't know. You're being entertained by like a a kidnapped slave. You know, I mean, it was like. Like I, said, I, I think you'd assume it's all part of the act. He's got to be yeah. in on it. A He's lot of people probably it. thought it wasn't even real. Right. They're like, "That's not a real chicken." Yeah, they swap it out. You don't yeah. see. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to like figure mm-hmm. out the. But no, it's, it's what's the real. trick? <laughs> yeah, there's no trick. The trick is torture. <laughs> yeah, the trick is torture and kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so the word I got an answer for you, Drake, about when the word became used like a nerd Ooh, yes. in modern day. So apparently. The word dork and the word nerd are related to the word geek, and they all had a synonymous meaning around the 1950s and 60s. Dork was first written down in the 1960s. Nerd was actually coined by Dr. Seuss wow. in a 1950s book. If I ran, the oh my zoo. god, whoa! Um, but it wasn't it wasn't used in the same fashion. Uh, as it was then, nerd used to be used as a, a to denote enthusiasm or expertise, mm. and proudly as a self-identifying mm. trait. Like I'm a theater nerd. Like that was it was like a positive thing. And then that uh, geek, for whatever reason, didn't, I couldn't figure out why. 
got associated with nerd mm. in the 1950s and both meant the same kind of mm. thing. Film geek, mm. beer geek. Well, that man isn't. Uh, computer geek, math geek. Like, it's like an enthusiasm about a That topic. man is enthusiastic so, like, about chickens. Yeah, absolutely. He is, is very on board with yeah. them. Actually, he is not at all. <laughs> uh, they Enthusiastic about about. <laughs> I think he's enthusiastic about the chicken. About two chickens in, and then he realizes there's not enough opium in the world to make this worth it. You know, if you're a geek, honestly, the way you get out of it is just sober the fuck up. Just like mm-hmm. stop taking the booze and the stuff. But also, they would beat the shit out of you. Yeah, was, yeah, they, yeah. They would like, you're not gonna do that job no, sober. They'd have Bruno the strong man come in yeah. your cage and beat the hell out yeah, of you. You're not gonna do that job sober. No, 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 no way, no way at all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a fun little fact for y'all. There were uh, the, those geek shows were uh, usually people against their will. Do you think you there's know. any geeks alive today? Man, probably not. I don't know. What a great name for a the, uh, geek the show. Alive, the geeks alive yeah, today. I could see like Kim Jong Un having a geek, you know, <laughs> just some dude that he like has. Yeah, I'm sure they exist. Some remote no, no, no. But I mean, yeah. like, do you think there's anyone from that era who's lived and like you no could interview way. today? No, no way. No. They were like. No, they all died off before. Yeah, <laughs> they all died off, like, usually in their cage at night. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they would talk about it openly, too. Like, the other people at the carnival would hear some guy, like, screaming in the cage. And they're like, oh, looks like looks like he got himself a new geek, you know? Oh, and man. it's like, that's that's terrible. That's, that's not great. terrifying. Jesus not great. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's one of the reasons. Actually, that's a perfect transition here because we are going to talk about the original movie, the reason why it was like, this was one of the reasons why this was not a huge success because it was so dark. Um, mm. I'm going to take you to when this, when are we? When are, do, we? when are we? <laughs> so sorry, you said don't do that. <laughs> no, it's okay. So it's 1946. World War II's over. It's a Wonderful Life is being filmed at the RKO Studios over there in Culver City, and Jimmy Stewart is sweating his makeup off, doing his big turn as a suicidal Christmas man. And uh, there's another actor who also just served in World War II on airplanes. They all did. Um, A dashing movie star by the name of Tyrone Power. So he had become a big hit in romance and swashbuckler films. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like an Errol Flynn type. Okay. Um, he even played Zorro. He was Zorro okay. in, uh, and he did films like, uh, oh, no, he was Zorro in, in a dozen other films, often in swashbuckler roles, romantic leads. His better known films include The Mark of Zorro, Marie Antoinette, Blood and Sand, and The Black Swan, which was not the same uh, as The Black Swan these days. Just ah. a big resume on this guy. Okay. He enlisted in World War II and was assigned to VMR-353, joining them on the Kwajalein Atoll in the Marshall Islands in February 1945. An atoll, you say? An atoll. <laughs> and uh, from there, he flew missions carrying cargo in and wounded Marines out during the battles of Iwo Jima and Okinawa in 1945. So he also was a war guy. Just yeah. like Not like Jimmy Stewart, per se, because mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart made general, for God's mm-hmm. sakes, but... You know, Tyrone Power. He he was a he he was awarded the American Campaign Medal, the Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, two wow. Bronze Stars, World War II Victory Medal, highly decorated pilot in World War II. And so he was another one where he's back home now and he's ready to get back into the camera in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But uh, like we discussed with Jimmy Stewart, he was changed now. He's different. Mm-hmm. He wants to do different stuff. Mm-hmm. He is. 
He's kind of sick of just being like the pretty face guy, which is so funny. We always talk about that. These mm. these actors who are so tired of being the hot movie star. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's like I'm sick of being the handsome swashbuckler. I want to do something with substance, you know. <laughs> and especially after going to war. I mean, I guess that's the equivalent of like Robert Downey Jr. being tired of being Iron Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I I don't want to be the blockbuster boy anymore. I'd right. love to. Do you shut your mouth, Archie? I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, take your $70 million and shut up. I would love to do something that wins an Oscar. Yeah, you know? that's basically what this mm-hmm. was. That was Tyrone Power, and he he came back from the war just different. Jimmy Stewart, too. You know, once you kill a few people, and mm-hmm. like uh, like Rod Serling, seeing his buddy get decapitated by a fucking you know, box. MRE box. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, your mind starts to change a little bit. <laughs> and this book comes out while he's basically like coming home from war. He reads Nightmare Alley, this book that had just come out. Mm-hmm. And it just captured him. You know, like, I think he felt... I don't know what he felt exactly reading it, but I'm sure he kind of read this thing of this guy who's kind of trapped in performing mm-hmm. uh, a circus act, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, that's me. That's me, yeah. Except I get paid a lot better. My life's not <laughs> yeah, terrible. I'm not, I don't have to bite the heads off of chickens, you know. Uh, <laughs> and remember, while they were serving, you know, these uh, the studios out of, like, patriotism were still keeping these guys under contract. Right. So he kept his contract the whole time he was over there in Okinawa and all mm-hmm. that. And he came back with that contract still intact, and he kind of used that as, this is the next thing I want to do. There's this book, Nightmare Alley. I really love it. This is what I want for my return to film to be. Mm -hmm. Which is very interesting, because Jimmy Stewart did this, like, (laughs) <laughs> suicidal Christmas film. <laughs> Tyrone Power wants to do this super dark, heavy <laughs> film. They, they might have just been in like a little bit of a, a little dark bit of a dark headspace. Head uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. World War Two will put you in a really yeah. dark headspace. You know. <laughs> I was was happier before I left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm not. Now I'm not so happy. Turns out you guys lied to us about a lot of things. But (laughs) now I'm going to tell you the truth about chicken heads. To tell you what a geek really is. (laughs) And I'm going to commit suicide on Christmas. (laughs) But he comes back. He still had a lot of pool. You know, he's, he's, uh, especially now, my God, he was like the handsome action star before, but now he's like the handsome action star who's. Ripped and war torn, and uh, as patriotic to America as you could possibly mm-hmm. be at the time. Basically, everybody is like, put Tyrone Power in front of the fucking camera mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. You know, so kind of it was one of those situations. Whatever that man wants, give it to him. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So enter our old friend Daryl F. Zanuck, head of 20th Century Fox at the time. <clears throat> Tyrone went to Zanuck, telling him of this idea. Founder of 20th yeah, Century Yeah, the founder Fox. of 20th Century He left, he had a salary dispute with good old Jack Warner and left Warner Brothers and went over with like two other people and they, they started 20th Century <laughs> wow. Fox. dude. CAG is just like, just shaking his head. I, I guess, <laughs> like CAG is just like, go ahead, Tyrone, get yourself involved in these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyrone went to Zanuck. He tells him this idea. Uh, and he's like, I, I want Fox to buy the rights to Nightmare Alley and adapt it for the screen starring me, Tyrone Power. And Zanuck says, that is the most depressing book I've ever read. And I never want to see this ever again. Please, please, for the love of God, bring me something else. You know, and uh, <laughs> Tyrone Power just, no, like, this is what I want to do. You know, so Zanuck reluctantly 
agrees to make the movie. Um, and he, he basically, he doesn't want his handsome actor, this charming guy fresh from the war to do this, but it was, it was just something that he was going to do. Well, like aren't dark noir films like a thing at this time? Like, they is are. it that unheard of to have a dark movie? Studio heads. Mm. They're the studio heads are classically like the, the guys who know the least of what is going where, on. Wait, so were the noir films like indie films at the time? Like where would we get all these like dark gritty well, noir films from? That was mainly from the thirties. The thirties was when you had, uh, you know, Edward G Robinson and CAG with Warner brothers pumping mm-hmm. out all those gangster films. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, the code had become in place mm. and these dark noirs were sort of taking a turn, especially world war two just ended, I think they wanted to see more Yankee Doodle Dandy, mm. and yeah. well, it's, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and less suicide and chicken heads. Yeah, less suicide, yeah. less chicken heads. What was what was the movie where the? Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a strange description, but I think I, you guys might actually know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. What's the movie where the guy and the girl are walking, and the guy drops the glove, and the girl picks it up, or the girl drops the glove, and the guy picks it up? I think it's a boxing That's movie. On the waterfront. That was Marlon Brando. When was yeah. that? That was the fifties. Okay, yeah. so we had gotten back in the dark shit by the fifties. The darkness. Okay. Then. Yeah. I could okay. Be a contender. I think. I think a lot of the uh, dark noir films I'm thinking of are probably from the fifties. Then. Yeah, for sure. I think, and it's not like we ever had really gotten out of it. But Daryl Zanuck really just did not want uh, Tyrone Power, mm. his like squeaky clean, handsome swashbuckler right. guy, to be in this. D- he thought it would tarnish his image. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. And and it's like it's like putting Chris Pratt in like a dark film. It's like you're of. supposed to be the one the Christians like. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would actually. I I might actually watch that if he did something like that. Otherwise, I'm never <laughs> watching that man in anything. But uh. So yeah, Daryl Zanuck basically reluctantly agrees to do this. He's going to give Tyrone Power this movie that he wants so bad. Uh, but if he's, he basically said like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. So he gave this A-list production values for this would normally have been like one of those B films mm-hmm. that the studio just kind of churns out. Yeah, but it's got Tyrone Power in it. Let's throw some real money behind it and make this a big thing. He he threw all the money at it. Uh, but here's the thing: for the first time. In the history of film history, the history of film, <laughs> we don't know the budget to this movie. There, you cannot find it. I implore you to go try Whoa. to if you can, because I couldn't find it. Interesting. Why? Daryl Zanuck basically did everything he could to cover up that this thing was even made, ever. Uh, Fox, whenever it came out... I'll get a little bit into it, but they wanted nothing to do with this thing, and he basically Daryl Zanuck like all but like burned all the paperwork, uh, basically. But we'll get into that. But right now, we'll, he agrees to do it. They throw all this money on it. They brought a big uh, director Edmund Goulding to direct, and they built a full working carnival on ten acres of the 20th Century Fox backlot. They hired 100 sideshow attractions and actual carnival people to add further authenticity. And uh, they they shot it at the San Diego County Fair in Del Mar, California, actually. Oh, cool. It was like this big, huge thing. You know, and uh, Deb, I think you had some stuff about the uh, the cinematographer. Yeah, so the cinematographer, his name is Lee uh, Garmez, G-A-R-M-E-S. And he was, uh, ironically enough, the cinematographer for Gone with the... One of the cinematographers that's officially uncredited for Gone with the Wind. And he did the famous uh, bridge scene and the railroad yard sequence 
um, even though he wasn't credited for that. But in addition to that, uh, even there's two other cool fun facts. Uh, so Jules Furtherman, who is a screenwriter, uh, also wrote uh, Shanghai wow. Express and Mute Me oh on the God. Bounty. In addition to this, yeah, which is Academy Award winning Best Picture, that's Mute so, Me on the Bounty. But then he also wrote Nightmare. That's so <laughs> Nightmare interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's because they all are in this little studio club and they just keep doing movies for the same studios like 20th right. Century or Warner Brothers or, or whatever. Speaking of that, the producer, George Jessel, was originally an actor um, for good old uh, Jack oh, Warner there. And, and guess who you will... It's Warner Brothers there. It's so ironic that he was the star... Of uh, the Broadway stage production of Drumroll, the Jazz. Oh wow! Interesting. Yeah, he was he was doing the old Jazz, and he he did Don Juan uh, in 1926. So the the kid was an actor, and then he became a producer, and um, he didn't really do too much as a like too much significant stuff. But he basically was like. Tied in with 20th century. Like, he was one of the founding members of the Friars Club in California on the West Coast for comedy and stuff. So, like, he was, like, one of those, like, oh, I'm an actor, and then I'm going to move into other elements of the business after That's very cool. Yeah. So, they were just, Fox was throwing, like, their heavy hitters at it. I love that. And it's, that's, it's so interesting because they did. We don't know how much they spent on this thing. We just know it was very expensive. They threw a lot of money at it. They threw... Those people that Deb just mentioned at it, we don't even know how much it made. All we know is that it was a failure at the box office. It, wow. it bombed as well, just like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, Did they not put marketing behind it? No. Was there just no interest? What it, happened? So basically, and also, by the way, uh, both movies mirror each other where this was Tyrone Power's favorite role. Even though it bombed, he says like, this was the favorite role of his career. Wow. And I can see, you know, he brought it to the studio and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it bombed just like, you know, the modern day one as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to everyone on the modern set, Guillermo del Toro, it also was like a joy to make. Mm-hmm. You know, these were fun movies to work on. Mm-hmm. They just weren't very fun content and they didn't <laughs> do very well with the audience. But um, basically, yeah, Zanuck, he disapproved uh, of his darling boy being seen in such a film with a downward spiral so he did not publish it he removed it from release after only a few weeks insisting that it was a flop um he found this movie so generally distasteful that he eventually took it out of circulation altogether and also the original cut there were like gruesome scenes of the geek he's like ripping apart chickens and Zanuck and the studio heads and the censors are all like this is horrible. You can't put this out. Like You have to change this or else we're not putting this out at all. Um, so they had to cut it to pieces. Like They changed the whole ending. Oh, so it wasn't the script got rewritten. Right. The movie got re-edited. The movie got re-edited and oh, re-shot and there were scenes man. that were cut. Uh, the, the whole ending was changed to like a more palatable ending for, you know... So was... 
um what did it review poorly like would you think people didn't go to see it because of the because of the butchering the reviewers were like this isn't a good movie yeah that's the or thing. do you think it was a subject matter just wasn't appealing to that audience it, it was not it not even necessarily for the audience it just wasn't appealing to daryl zanuck and the studio people. right i mean but why yeah. didn't the movie perform well like you think it performed well because it got bad reviews did it get bad reviews like what was no, the reception the it, critics love it to, to this day it has a 100 rating on rotten tomatoes oh my god yeah like the critics like Liked it. The audience liked it. The studios did not, and the studios just would bury it. Like they didn't. Not only did they not market it, they like after two weeks took it down. Well, but uh, but if it's getting positive reviews and people like it, like don't you want to make your money back on your movie? Like I don't. Yeah. I don't really understand the business. This sounds. Do you guys remember Mel Brooks's movie? Yeah. Yes. Where they like they tr- intentionally try yeah. to make a flop just to make it as a loss on the book one? so they could scam these old ladies out of his money. This sounds yeah. like that. It sounds like they were like, no, 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 we're gonna get this ridiculous team together and this, you know, all these people and we're gonna make this crazy movie and then chop it all up at the end and then it actually started to perform well and they're like, oh shit, oh shit, it's not yeah. working. Pull it, pull it, yeah, made it. that absolutely could have been what was happening, yeah. Hollywood accounting, baby. You don't burn fucking documents if you're not trying yeah, to hide. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. This might have been some big shit. insurance scam. It, it, they needed. They might have needed to like call, like count this right. as a loss on the books when it was really. I see. Yeah, for sure. That is interesting because it was. Because yeah, I've never heard. I mean, there's been flops before. I've never heard of burning the evidence. Yeah, like you can't find the. And I'm telling you, like I said, I, maybe you can. I was not able to through all of the research that I normally do for the budgets of these things. It is nowhere to be found. And the box office numbers aren't either. So, yeah, uh, we don't know. This thing might have actually been doing well. And they were like, it's doing too well. Let's pull it. And that absolutely could have been what happened. Because, it, which is an, an interesting theory, because it actually was re-released in 1956 and did really great. Uh, particularly the drive-in circuit was a new big thing. And they were putting this thing up at drive-in theaters and it was doing gangbusters. Do you think the government had any hand in this? Do you think the government was like, this movie is too dark? If you don't make this go away, we're going to make this a big problem for you. Yeah, could have been that too. Yeah, the government definitely had their hand in a lot of stuff, especially just post-World War II. Mm -hmm. I'm sure America wanted the right stuff coming out. Maybe. I don't... uh, That's possible. I think, you know... They were probably too busy, like, figuring out, like, building Europe back and, like, worrying about other shit. I mean, they had, like, no, they had enough know. time to write up a stern <laughs> memo about It's a Wonderful Life. So, I mean, yeah. they were clearly concerned about the media coming out. That's the FBI. The FBI, the FBI is the government. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were talking about, like, No, no. I mean, like, some branch of, you know, law enforcement. Like, you know, what is the FCC? I don't know when the FCC was founded or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. That was just like, this is... This is not the type of content we want to release. We right. want to build a wholesome America back up. You make this go away, or we're going to make you go away. We're going to make you go away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, it, but it did. It, it, it saw a big re-release in the 50s, and then Tyrone Power tragically died in 1958, very young. Tyrone Power smoked nine packs of cigarettes a day. Jesus. And if you watch the old movie, he's smoking throughout the whole thing. And it's funny, Shelby and I watched the old one, too. And Shelby was like, do you think in the scenes where he's not smoking, he's just, like, having serious withdrawals? Because <laughs> like, nine packs of cigarettes a day means you're just smoking the entire day. Yeah, like, you just never is, stop. You never stop smoking. Oh, my God. And so, uh, How many cigarettes are in a pack? Uh, 20. 
So 20 times 9 is 180. <laughs> 180 cigarettes a day. Good Lord. And so he died from that in 1958. <laughs> I assume so. Yeah. How uh, is it not just a painful existence to breathe? I don't, like, it, it probably like... was. It probably was. He was probably the geek at some point. <laughs> but after he died, uh, widespread public demand uh, for it on television resulted in its initial telecast in New York City, Saturday 10th, January 1959, on WRCA Channel 4. So it actually got a TV release in the 50s after his death. And again, because it was his favorite movie. Tyrone Power, if you asked him what his favorite one in his career was, it was Nightmare Alley. Even though it was this big flop, Daryl Zanuck burned all the documents. But for him, that was like the one he wanted you to see. So I have I have a theory for you guys. And this is slightly off topic, but it loops back to something we said at the beginning. So you said DiCaprio passed on this movie. Mm-hmm. And DiCaprio passed on that... Uh, that uh, Anderson movie this came out Look right. Pizza, yeah. Um, do you think DiCaprio looked at the history of this movie and he looked at what the box office is doing right now and he was like, "I will not star in a flop." For sure, I do not care about the context. I don't care about the pandemic. I am not going to star in a movie that does not do gangbusters. Right. That's why he took. Uh, don't look up because it's a Netflix movie. And yeah. It's impossible to quantify the box office. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. He didn't want to mark on his record. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people. And this was also uh, this new one. We're going to get a little bit into it. But this was one of the ones that had to get shut down due to COVID back in the mm. early COVID days. Okay. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why it kind of bombed in a way was because it took a long time to shoot. Mm. Uh, they had to do a lot of COVID, you know, Yeah, COVID regulations are 30% of your budget. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, and unfortunately, we do know the budget and box office numbers of the new one. Uh, we did. We talked about it earlier, but yeah, this thing was $60 million, and as we record right now, has only made $5 million of that wow. back. And, um, yeah, not very good. Not When you put that through the old inflation calculator, that comes out to be uh, more Marvel movies. So <laughs> Now, um, do you think that big studios are just going to stop releasing movies in theaters until COVID dies down? Like, Absolutely. What's, what or do you maybe think? forever. <laughs> if it's not Marvel. <laughs> How dare you? Everyone go to AMC right now. And go I'm going to go see Spider-Man. No. <laughs> go see Nightmare Alley, damn it. <laughs> I am going to see Nightmare Alley. I don't care what you see. Just see something at an AMC. You AM- can go see Liquor's <laughs> Pizza and see uh, the girl from Heim's boobs and a 15-year-old. I want to go see the the Kingsman or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one is going to be really good. Okay, cool. That's also a Marvel that. movie. Just a plus steps. I mean, look, it, <laughs> as long as Marvel's not involved, they probably are in some way, for all I know. Yeah, they're joining John the Avengers. John Cena's putting money behind Kingsman dun, dun, now. Dun, dun. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I um, uh, something I do love that AMC does is if uh, you go on their app, they label the uh, art movies artisan films. Oh, that's so cool. if you want to support more artistic, more independent movies, they kind of make it a little easier for you to figure out. Like, because a lot of those movies you've never heard of, so like they put that label on it, kind of gives it a little bit of um, credibility, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and shout out to AMC if you are an AMC shareholder. You can go on their website and register before New Year's Eve this year, before J- December 31st, the last day, um, and you will get a NFT unique to uh, a free NFT like 
commemorative art piece thing from them. Interesting. Join in the future. Uh, shout out AMC, other uh, bomb. I just registered. I'm, I'm gonna get my. What's that? Uh, what's that Spider-Man week. NFT doing? Is it doing numbers or did it did it I flop? Think they sold out. It sold out, but I, what's the resale market? Uh, oh yeah. What's the floor price on that dev? What's the floor price on NFT? Principal photography on this one began in January 2020 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mm, right before. Right before. January 2020, production temporarily moved to Buffalo, New York in February in order for Del Toro to take advantage of the city's architecture and unfamiliar setting. He said, uh, I wanted to find a city that was really interesting to visit for an audience. That was not a city they were overly familiar with. Scenes mm. were filmed in and outside of Buffalo's Niagara Square, City Hall, and required the use of fake snow. Like mm. we were talking about old Frank Capra the other day. I'm sure it's a different type of fake snow. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the surprise of the crew, as Buffalo was widely known for its heavy snowfall during the winter season. But that was before uh, the Marvel times when mm. we had snow. Uh, <laughs> Principal photography was initially set to begin in September 2019, but was delayed to accommodate B. Coop. And uh, they said, we shot the second half before the first half, Cooper revealed. We didn't want to do it that way. Things happened to us with sets and other actors' availability and water, the snow, and all that. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I was the cause. I had moved to New York and said, I can't do it right now. Let me get I settled. I have to go voice Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm making a lot of money for Marvel right now. <laughs> In March 2020, Del Toro himself shut down production on the film after rising concerns during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. He said, uh, we stopped the shoot a week before the industry shut down. That saved us. Nobody, to my knowledge, in the cast or crew got coronavirus. Del Toro later reflected, stopping was not mandatory yet, but we felt we both felt if we don't stop it now, someone gets sick, you know, it's going to be really bad. We said, we got to stop. Nobody was expecting it. Everybody went to lunch and came back six months later. <laughs> <laughs> Searchlight's yeah. parent, Walt Disney Studios, officially halted production on the soon on the film soon after. Oh, is this a Fox Searchlight film? Yeah. It is a Disney film. It is a Disney one. It always comes back around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Follow Fox, the money, people. Because Fox would own the rights still because yep. they bought the rights and Disney bought Fox. Follow the money. <laughs> so, actually, I did help Disney when I went to go see this, guess, which helped Marvel probably. Yeah, wait. I'm why really would, surprised we didn't hear Disney be like, why would they <laughs> release this? Open. Why would they release this right next to their big blockbuster film? I, I guess because they figure it's different audiences. Yeah, but I guess so. You'd think you just... It's the holidays. It's yeah, not really a holiday movie. You ought to hold it till January. Where did my Nightmare Alley NFT go? Right. This is for all the atheists out there and all the people That's that right. hate Christmas. Yeah. All I know is I did not get a Nightmare Alley NFT. This it's would've... just like a picture of the geek biting the head off a chicken. This That's... would have been a dope January movie. You yeah. should have saved it. No, it would have been. And it also yeah. would have been a good summer movie. But... So uh, did this movie uh, make it to the award circuit all back in the day? Did it uh, pop up anywhere? Oh. No, nah, man. They tried to shut it. They pulled it from the Right, yeah. Weeks. Yeah. I mean, say. you know, that doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean the Academy didn't see it. That's very true. Two weeks is the yeah. minimum to be eligible for Academy Let projects. Don't look up. May I put a guess? Uh, get a theater since on. the Academy is basically uh, Hollywood in the studios, then I, I'm not. I don't really think they would. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't see any. Uh, yeah. No, I don't see well, any awards that it was nominated for. Dude, imagine being someone who went to see Nightmare Alley, and then you went and you told your friends, "Dude, I saw this fucking dope movie," and then they try to go see it next week, and it doesn't. It's not there. Yeah, and they like don't even believe him. They're yeah. like, "Dude, this movie didn't exist." <laughs> the guy's going fucking insane because he was like, "It was because there's no internet." He's like, "There's no." I don't read the newspaper. Yeah, I'm a. I'm a. Dude, that is a movie right there. We should write a movie about somebody. 
being mind fucked and trying to go on a detective hunt to Hollywood to go like Jay and Silent Bob, you know, the movie or whatever, like when they go to Hollywood to stop the filming, well, these kids are going to go to Hollywood to like make sure that they're not going insane that this movie was really made. (laughs) Any, Any Hollywood execs listening out there, let us write a screenplay with these yes. lines. Dude, we'll let's do town. it. I mean, we'll write it during Gasparilla. <laughs> <laughs> but no, getting back to the COVID stuff, shooting this movie. This was, um, Guillermo del Toro was actually kind of credited with a lot of how we shot movies. And still now, right now, during the pandemic. Really? Um, yeah. So when they shut it down, he had approximately, he would, he would uh, guesstimate that it was 45% of the film was shot. Mm-hmm. And he spent the the first part, the lockdown, he spent it editing that mm-hmm. 45%. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he, uh, he composed an 80-page safety precaution guideline to be used when production resumed. What? Yeah, which he was hoping to do in late 2020. Um, they did. They, they resumed in September 2020 and in Toronto. And he had this guideline written, and a lot of productions took from that guideline as well. Wow. Guillermo del Toro was one of the like architects of how we got back to production. Wow. And he's not, no one credits him for this. What really. the fuck? That's wild. Guillermo del Toro is one of the least credited people <laughs> that I've heard of. Like this right? man. Uh, it is. He's, he's one of the true. greatest modern directors. Absolutely. He's yeah. done a lot of shit, and he's dope. He's, he's yeah, I mean, we forget, dopes. but Pacific Rim bombed originally. Really? Like, they got a sequel, and it, 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 it eventually made it all like of its money classic? back. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of like uh, everybody saw it eventually, but mm-hmm. when it first came out, it yeah. bombed. He was in like a spiral of depression when wow. that thing came out, because it was literally like, what do I have to do? Like, wow. I gave you $200 million gigantic robots yeah. and you know huge monsters coming out of the ocean. Yeah. You're still not coming to see the shit you wow. know i don't know what it is about Guillermo, but he'll, he'll always eventually i hope mm-hmm. this one has the same fate where yeah. like nightmare alley eventually does make its money back but right yeah. now it's far from making wow. 60 million dollars back interesting but yeah they did an interview colette uh, tony colette discussed some of this film safety protocol she said i've got to say i think you couldn't get any safer than this film set. They were so regimented and disciplined and demanding in terms of having to toe the line and everyone does their best to not get it. You really are in a bubble and the whole of Toronto is in mask and you're just sanitizing your hands a million times a day and trying not to be in big crowds and you just have to be mindful of that, especially when you're working because there's a bigger risk there. It's not just you, it's everyone else, you know? So they were on this set really into let's keep filming and not get COVID. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, by November 2020, principal photography was completed and reshoots had commenced. Production officially wrapped in December of 2020. Uh, Why did it take a year for this movie to come out? Of COVID. But the editors like were delayed by COVID. You could do <laughs> yeah. that job alone in your room. What yeah. I, I don't what I don't know either. Uh, I I still don't know why this didn't come out in the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it was that. I think COVID was a big reason why this movie is a flop. Did, right did they delay it because they wanted to wait until enough people were going back to theaters? Basically, I think they delayed it, but also. I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I don't know exactly why they delayed it so long. Um, they did. I think they did. You know, I'm sure Guillermo del Toro takes a long time to edit stuff. Um, here, okay, so here's the way you save this movie. Mm. Um, uh, you released <laughs> on Hulu. 
You make a big push for it to come on Hulu. Yeah, for like sure. Like you advertise the shit out of it on Hulu. Yeah. I think I think that would I think that would work. Yeah. I think that's it's not a Disney Plus play. Disney owns Hulu. I think you you tout it as a Hulu exclusive. Right. You kind of pivot the marketing of it. Uh, that that's still really the only way I see this making its money. It's not. You think it's sixty million and some. I mean, again, how do you quantify? But how value? do you quantify streaming stuff? You know what I mean? It's just it's raising the value of that service. Like, there's ways you can quantify all that data. They know whether a movie perf- is of value by how much like people watched it, but then comparing how much those profiles yeah. watched other projects. So that's how Netflix yeah. builds their library. And they're like, hey, we need some mm-hmm. more comedies. Mm-hmm. We got, we need. You know, we need a drama mm-hmm. coming out next year, you know? They yeah. Fucking already but it was very interesting, Netflix. too. They took six months off while shooting this thing. Six mm-hmm. whole months were taken off of filming this movie. And Bradley Cooper and Guillermo del Toro both swear up and down that this is the way movies should be filmed. Like, after they filmed this thing, they basically said... Bradley Cooper said he had six months to find exactly what this thing was, his character. Mm. You know, all he's thinking about is this movie, because he's also a producer on mm-hmm. this, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Cooper said... <laughs> This movie needed that rigor. Thank God we had that time. As simple a story it is, it demanded all our concentration and focus, all that time. I don't think we realized how much it demanded of us at the beginning. That was the discovery. There is arrogance. You think you can do it, then how is this possible? He said, we made Nightmare Alley for the last two and a half years. It was a unique experience going through the pandemic, taking six months off and revisiting this. We not only became lifelong friends, but it was an artistic experience. Interesting. I mean, you you put the shots on the edit bay. You look at what's working, what's not. You have some more time to think about the character yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I guess that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, especially like Guillermo del Toro had all that time to edit what he had so far mm-hmm. and uh, get a look at like where it was going. Yeah, you know, you're not in such a rush. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. What if, what if like the production was just paying Bradley Cooper's salary for six months and he's this like, is no, this is uh this is this the way is every the movie way should be should fucking shot, yeah. guys. Like, we got yeah. I didn't really have to do anything for six months. I still we, got all my same shoot, rate, you know. Fuck, pandemic's all around. Shoot movies Let's all go. wrong. <laughs> I like um, being at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the new one getting good reviews? Uh, yeah, the new one is getting great reviews, uh, but it is bombing. And th- the thing is, is I wouldn't say the new one is darker than the original per se. It's like as dark comparably now as it probably was to people then. I see, yeah. You know, but um, uh, great review for me. I really think it's a perfect, flawless film. And mm. the story is insane. The acting is top fucking notch. I can't say enough good about it. That's because... You you love it because it's very uh, speaks close to home. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, whenever I was a kid growing up in Mississippi, biting the heads off of chickens, <laughs> you know, and they give me a bottle of wild turkey yeah. as my payment. <laughs> <laughs> you bite the chicken, you, you get the turkey. I still got my chicken teeth. I could bite off. I could. I still got it, man. I could bite the head off a of chicken right now. <laughs> Film history, a very special episode on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds like uh, subscribe to our OnlyFans. So watch James bite the heads off of chickens. <laughs> and the darkness makes sense. I, I mentioned the author William Lindsay Gresham, uh, who lost his wife to uh, you know the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe guy. Uh, he killed himself with sleeping pills on September fourteenth, nineteen sixty-two, in the same hotel room at the Hotel Carter where he wrote Nightmare Alley. Ah, yeah, it's poetic. So it killed him basically. Yeah. Um, 
they found a business card in his pocket and it said no address, no phone, no business, no money. Retired. That was his business card. He was a very sad man. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Happy the, New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. <laughs> wow, what a dramatic right what a writer's yeah, way to go. Dead. You go write that on your fucking business card. I mean, no money, retired, no address. (laughs) Yeah, he just he died in the same hotel room that made that where he made his big art. And um, that's actually I'm gonna start to wind it down here. Um, This is two adaptations of this book that both were bombs in the box office. Um, The first one did eventually make its money back at one day, but I just thought this was very interesting. I thought this was all. This old sad book that got made into a movie just post World War II scared the shit out of Daryl Zanuck so bad that he like burned the damn paperwork. And now Guillermo del Toro tried it again. Again, it's not doing very well. Cursed film. Cursed film, but it's so good. It's like this thing where it shouldn't be doing badly because it's so good. But, you know, and, and everyone who worked on the film, both of them had an incredible experience making it, except for. The second one, that whole pandemic thing, that right? Happened. But uh, <laughs> man, what a what an interesting story! What a, I like this. I like the new and the old coming yeah. together. That's Nightmare Alley. I'm wrapping it up there. Everybody, please go see it. Go uh, give your support to Guillermo. He has done a great, a great piece of art here. Um, it's not Spider Man, <laughs> but it is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, any closing? Any y'all want to? Any uh, closing? Closing questions? No, this was a, this was a fun this was a fun idea taking the old and the new bringing it together. Um, uh, telling me a story I didn't know it was a different movie. I didn't know it was based on a book. Yeah, everything now is based off something I didn't know about. Yeah, yeah there's no original ideas. It's all based on Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I know why Daryl Zanuck uh, pulled this movie. It was uh, it was too triggering <laughs> for him. Um, at at eight years old, he had his first movie job as an extra, but his disapproving father told him to come home back to Nebraska from Los Angeles. And then at 15, uh, he joined the U.S. Army, even against, like, you know, being 15. So I feel like he was like, oh, my God, I was just kidnapped wow. back to Nebraska <laughs> and lived in Nightmare Alley. Oh. And then... Or ran yeah. away to the army, and then this is a nightmare <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, not Nebraska, oh, not man. again. And then he's like, burn Darryl, this movie down. Yeah, that's Zanuck's my nightmare alley. <laughs> man, I, I mean, if we can ever dig up the the the, the documents, I want to see a movie about this getting pulled, this getting yeah, made, this getting pulled. Sure. If we can find the documentation, if uh, if there's any, if there's any. Someone out there in the in the Fox vaults that's digging through some old archives. Yes. This is dude, this is a oh. Nick Cage movie. Like have like eight eight millimeter, but like instead of looking for a murder victim, they're looking for a movie that was released and then Yeah, dude, and National Treasure Four is Nick Cage hunting down all the information for Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the back of Declaration of Independence. <laughs> anyway, you can find me at Drake Cummings. Hey. You can find me on Twitter at Drake. Uh, that's Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings. You can find me on TikTok at Hollywood Drake. You can find my uh, clothing store inspired by the 1920s at uh, Raging20smerch.com. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Drake Cummings. Anywhere that you type in my name, I'm, I'm somewhere. 
So everyone out there listening, if you have Twitter still, I highly recommend you go follow me at Abracadabra Dev. Uh, we got a lot of really cool, fun shit coming up in the next year. So um, into the new year, we'll be releasing some some fun news in January and February. And you know, I hope to see you guys there. Hit me up. Yeah, very cool. And you can find us at Film History, the History of Film. All over the place or FHHF podcast. You can find me at Jimmy Deloy or James Wyatt Scott, depending on where you're looking. And you can also find me huddled in a bunker underground with an ancient HBO Max login, bootlegging <laughs> movies like Nightmare Alley, hiding out from the real life version of Captain America, who's been genetically engineered to snuff out the resistance, the coalition <laughs> of the old breed. This has been. Film history, the history of film. You know what I'm talking about.